and welcome to a special edition of the Big East Coast Podcast in which we will be previewing the upcoming Big East Tournament. Uh, my name is Chris Novak. I'm joined by Rob O'Neill, of course, your voices at Big East Coast Bias, your number one source of news and commentary for your favorite conference on the SP Nation Network. And Rob, so ends a wild and wacky Big East season, and we are heading into the preeminent conference tournament. While, you know, the luster may have been quote-unquote lost, it will still probably bring the usual ex- amounts of excitement and intensity. And I, for one, am looking forward to it. I know you are as well. And, of course, being that we're in conference tournament season, we are one step closer to the NCAA tournament, which, of course, is the most fun time of the year. Yeah. Um, you know, the uh, conference tournaments in general so far have been kind of hit or miss. But, uh, you know, I think things will pick up a little bit as the, you know, Big Ten and Big East and SEC tournaments get going. Uh I thought the Missouri Valley tournament was a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, as with, it always is. With Bradley yep. pulling out a big victory. Uh, yep. You know, Northern Kentucky had a uh, buzzer beater and then went on to win the um, Horizon, Horizon League. League. Yeah. Um, you know, the uh, the ACC tournament so far has been bad, but first couple days it usually is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, all in all, it's nice that uh, it's March. Yeah. Uh, you know, we change the clocks. So we got more daylight now. That's nice. And uh, yeah, I think uh, we're more ready. More daylight and more basketball. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I mean, you know, I think uh, it was an interesting year for the Big East overall. Um, you know, I we spent a lot of the off season saying that you know it's probably going to be closer as a conference to you know the first year after realignment than yeah. it has been the past couple of years and. I don't know if that ended up being true because, you know, even the last place teams won seven games this year. Yeah, but, as opposed to when that first year DePaul won three Big East games, Butler won four, and Seton Hall won six. Yeah. We had four. We had three teams win at least seven games, and uh, no team finished under five hundred this season either. And the worst that any team could finish is at five hundred if DePaul were to lose. Yeah. So. Yeah, so, I mean, it, it wasn't as bad. Butler as well. You know, it wasn't as bad top to bottom, but no. you didn't really have a dominant top team no, this year. No, you definitely didn't. Um, you know, Villanova won the regular season title outright. They're okay. fifth in six years. Yep. But, you know... You could argue that this is, I would think, easily the worst Villanova team in the last five years, five or six seasons. Well, and I don't even know if it's much of an argument. You know, they um, unless they win the national championship, they're going to have ten losses this year. Yeah. Their first... Double-digit loss season since the last year of the old Big East, I believe. Exactly. Um, yes. So. And right now they are 26th in adjusted efficiency margin on Kempom. Um, last few years they finished first, then second, then first, then fifth, and even in 2014 they finished 11th. So uh, this is this is the worst. "Quote unquote worst Villanova team since the 2012-13 Wildcats, which finished 53rd in adjusted efficiency margin. Now they won't finish nearly as bad as that this year, but they will probably be within, unless they go on a run, probably within you know the the mid 20s right now and or, or or upper 20s. So that kind of just is what it is. I mean, we when you lose as much talent as Villanova did, granted they still have some talented players there, obviously with Pascal and Booth. Um, and, you know, their supporting cast. But I think that that was really it. They, they, they just didn't get what they want, what they really wanted out of their supporting cast as far, from a consistency standpoint. And, 
you know, you're you're going to see a little bit of a drop off, but credit to them for writing the ship because it did look a, did look a little lost for them for a little while, um, especially when they were mired through that three game losing streak when they lost St. John's, Georgetown, and Xavier all sequentially back in mid February. It kind of looked like okay, can we expect them to get it together, or are they about to you know fall apart here, which would have been very uncharacteristic. I mean, the fact that they had multiple losing streaks this season of two or more games is, you know, an anomaly in and of itself over the past few years because, as we know, up until recently, they didn't really lose back-to-back games very much at all. No. Um, Because they had similar runs back in 2012-13 where, you know, they had a three-game losing streak, then another, then another two, then another two, and then a two-game losing streak to end the season. And then they didn't lose, you know, back-to-back games until... I believe it was. I believe it was. Was it last year, or was it this year? Yeah, I don't think they did it. Last. No, it was, yeah, no, it was they didn't last do year. it last yeah, year. Yeah, it was the first time in six seasons that they had lost back-to-back games, and they did it multiple times. Yeah, which again says a lot about their run. But you know, they're not robots. Eventually, they were due for a season like this. But you know, like we said, they still managed to finish at the top of the Big East, heading into the. Conference tournament as the one seed yet again for, like you said, the fifth time in six years. Xavier, of course, was the one last season. Um, but, you know, they, they did what they had to do. And we, we, like you had mentioned, preseason expectations, we expected Marquette to be near the top. And they did. They did finish there. But speaking of losing streaks, Marquette is not exactly walking into the Big East tournament red hot or even, I would even say, lukewarm. They are cold as ice right now. They've lost four in a row. To end the season, um, three game, three games decided by uh, six points or less. Their last game against Georgetown was decided by just two. Um, their other loss was to Seton Hall by nine points, so they had no double digit losses. But the game against Seton Hall was certainly a bit of a downer for them. But obviously, we'll get to Seton Hall in a little bit. Uh, big up for them, but you know, they were twelve and two on February twenty third. Uh, similarly, similarly, at that point, um, Villanova was you know eleven and three in the conference. Yeah, so and really, then all... they went to eleven and four um, after after Sunday, February twenty fourth, because granted, Marquette didn't play again until you know that game, the game against Villanova. For twelve and two, they had a two game lead in the loss column. Yeah, they just pretty much and needed one win for they needed, at least yeah, a exactly. share they of the Big one East. Win. Yeah. One win, and they couldn't get it. Yeah. One win, and they couldn't get it at all whatsoever. And that, I know that, you know, you can look at look at it from the perspective of, yes, they finished 23-8. and eight. Yes, they were 12-6 and six in the Big East. This is their highest finish in the Big East Conference in a very long time. Um, they will be going to the NCAA Tournament for the first time in two years, but obviously... You know, they'll be a high, really high seed for the first time since they went to the Elite Eight back in 2013. Funny how we keep going back to yeah. that season. <laughs> but, man, that's about as disappointing as it gets. Yeah, I mean, I think probably one of the more disappointing, uh, not entire seasons, because obviously no, exactly. the season's a success overall. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they have likely the Big East Player of the Year in Marcus Howard. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I mean it. It's not what you want to be, no, you know, twelve and two and finish conference play twelve and six. Exactly. Um. So 
And I think Marquette's problem, you know, they're in the top 40 in adjusted offense and defensive efficiency, but it just doesn't feel like they um, ever had a game where both the offense and defense were really good. No. And, you know, they, they had games where they would grind it out and, uh, you know, win defensive struggles. And, you know, that's been different than what we've seen from some of their teams in the exactly. past. But, you know, they weren't just going out and scoring at will. Um, so, you know, it's it's really hard to gauge both Marquette and Villanova heading into the Big East tournament because they're both clearly beatable. Exactly. Yeah, and I think that that, you know, considering Villanova's struggles and the way that Marquette has finished the season, um, that leaves them a little vulnerable. Uh, of course, both teams will be getting a day of rest. They're not playing on Wednesday. Um, but, you know, I don't know necessarily if they have a chance to lose on their first games. Anything is possible, of course. Um, just given, you know, the, pos- the probable opponents for each um, I'm not sure if I particularly see it happening, um, because in the case of Marquette, they'll face one of St. John's. Well, the they already lost to St. John's. They uh, did lose to St. They were swept by St. John's, but it is incredibly hard to beat a team three times in one season. Yeah. Uh, now, granted, St. John's will have the home court advantage on in, in that game if St. John's gets through DePaul. Um, in the case of Villanova, they'll face one of Providence and Butler. Um, you know, Villanova. Did lose to Butler, or actually, I'm sorry, they did not lose to Butler. In fact, I made that mistake. Um, they they swept them, but hard to beat a team three times. Butler's offense at times looks very lost. So and Providence, of course, they have their cold spells and their struggles as well. Um, but going further than that, I did see that they are obviously the uh, the two top favorites on Kempom's you know conference tournament formula and whatnot, but. It would not shock me if neither of them got it done. Yeah. No, me neither. Um, you know, if we just continue down the list yeah. to talk about the three seed. The three seed, the Seton Hall Pirates. Yeah. Seton Hall um, Pirates who finished the season incredibly strong. Yeah, they were in some trouble for a while, too. They um, were in some trouble. They were. They're going to see how far those wins against Maryland and Kentucky were going to take them. They were 3-5 and five on January 27th after a debilitating 80-52 to loss to Villanova, and all they did from there was finish 6-1. and one. I'm sorry, 6-4. Six and, six and sorry, I don't know why I said that. 6-1. Six 6-4. and, one. Six and four, um, To go 9-9 and nine in Big East play, and um, they had Marquette and Villanova staring at them in the face, as well as a possible NCAA tournament bid, and they not only beat one of them, they beat them both, both yeah. on their home floor in Newark. Yeah, and, uh, you know, Miles Powell really showed out in both games. Oh, he uh, absolutely did. A combined 54 points in the two games. Yep. Um, you know, Miles Kale looked good against Villanova as well. He did. He did. Um, and, yeah, I mean, they did what they needed to do uh, more than anything. You know, Marquette was beating them by 14 with 10 minutes to go in the second half of that game. Mm-hmm. And uh, they came surging back. And I think it's probably enough for them to have secured a bid, but... Maybe a win over uh, Georgetown will really seal things in. for them. They're in. Um, they're they're in. To, to me, to me, they're in. I, I 
I don't think a loss takes them out. They, they they did what they had to do. They beat both the top teams in the conference. Yeah, they, they did. They have wins over Maryland and Kentucky. Yeah, I think those are gonna also look very good. They uh, are. You know, they're 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 fifty ninth in Ken Palm right now, so I don't know how much that really stock you put that into that. To um, me, that doesn't matter. In the net right now, they are probably around fifty nine as well. I believe I looked earlier. Let me uh. They're fine. Pull that up real quick. They are. Look at look at the rest of look at the rest of the. Oh uh, uh, yeah, no, the, you know the slate. In, if look you, at the rest if of the you slate. go by the net though, they're around teams like Oregon and Butler. Now I will say, Bracket Matrix has them in on pretty much every bracket as exactly. ten seed. Yeah. But could a loss maybe drop them to one of those Dayton teams? Maybe. I mean. I think they're in right. Now. I I think they're in as well, but I think a win over Georgetown would really go a long way for them. Yep. Um, I, I do agree with that point, but I do think that they're in right now. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, as far as Seton Hall goes and their prospects, I am actually picking them to win the Big East Tournament. Kind of give it a <sighs> teaser for later, but I think that they're going to get it done. I think that... I mean, I could see it. They've, uh, with the exception of last year have performed very well in the Big East Tournament. And it's not only that. I think that, you know, Miles Powell is has been playing very, very, very well of late. And I don't see that changing anytime soon. I think that he's going to be a catalyst going forward for them. And I think that he's going to perform very well in this tournament. And I think that he's going to help them get it done. Because my stock is a little low, obviously, on Marquette. And my stock is a little low on Villanova. I know that, you know, I... Sh- I should I have every reason to trust Villanova right now when it comes to these tournaments? But yeah, yeah. But I think that I mean, Seton Hall is going to get it done. I also think you know Seton Hall having beat both of those teams in the past week uh, obviously helps. You know, it's yeah. not like the two wins came in January. Exactly. Yeah. They're they're fresh. They're familiar. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. I mean, I could see that. Um, plus, obviously, it's not the home court advantage that St. No. John's has, but it's still close enough to Newark where exactly. you know. They'll travel. Exactly. So, going down the ladder here then, um, we have the four-seeded Xavier Musketeers. That's an interesting statement. That is an inter- interesting statement, given where they were at one point this season. Three and eight. They were 11-13 and 13 <laughs> on the season, three and eight in conference play, and after losing did, at home to DePaul for a six-game losing streak. All they did was they were the ones who finished six and one. Yeah. They did to go nine and nine in conference play and yep. seventeen and fourteen overall, and suddenly maybe on the bubble. Maybe um, you know this is where winning maybe against Auburn would have helped uh, back in probably Maui. Cincinnati too. Uh, well, that game wasn't close though. Well, no, I'm just saying. Um, but I get what you're, I get your point though. You know, having your best non-conference win be someone other than Illinois, yeah, would have <laughs> probably went a long way. Oakland, um, as well. but 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 even if they end up in the NIT, that's still, I know it's not, a, where they were. it's not necessarily success given, you know, the history of the program in the past 30 years or whatever. But where but, they were, I mean, it absolutely is a success from where they were. Yeah, I mean, they, they improved a ton on defense. Oh, um, they did. You know, Najee Marshall and Paul Scruggs. Remember when I said that? Yeah. I, I went over how, you know, given Xavier's history, I think that they're going to see upticks defensively. Look what they did. Yeah. Look what they did. Um, They shot up. You know, getting to a point where they were playing Tyreek Jones and Zach Hankins at the same time was smart because a lot yes. of the conference couldn't handle the size. Agreed. And both played really well. We talked about that on one of our other podcasts. We did. We did. Um, and 
Also, this is their 37th straight season, finishing 500 or better in conference play. Which, I mean, <laughs> you know. Yep. Um, so, I mean, I think they're a team that could maybe make a run in this tournament as well. You know, they're they're as hot as anyone right now. And, uh, you know, they're another team that beat Villanova. Probably had their best game of the season against Villanova, if we're being honest. Just clamped down on them defensively. Exactly. Um, so... Yeah, no, I mean, I I like Xavier's chances. Uh, I think they're probably one of those teams that needs to win or they're not going to make the tournament. So do you see them beating Creighton? <sighs> I mean, it's tough. You know, those those 9-9 nine and nine teams, they're all just yeah, they're all so kind of just all over the place. clumped together. Yeah. And, you know, they split against Creighton this year. I just, it it's really, it's hard to predict. It is now sp- staying on Creighton here since they're since they are the five. Um, a lot of people have them kind of on the bubble, and I can understand why because they were four and nine. They've won their last five entering uh, conference tournament play. Now, granted, I, I, I actually wouldn't even say their schedule didn't really help them out because they did have games against they had two against DePaul, one against Marquette, and one against Georgetown, um, another against Providence, and they went out. And they they won them all. All of them mostly, you know. The game against Providence was a bit of a tussle, as was the uh, the game against Marquette. But otherwise, they look really convincing in some in most of these victories. Yeah, well, you know, the thing about the four-game losing streak is they uh, led at the end-of-four timeout in each of them. They did. So it's not as if they played poorly the entire they game. Just they just had some, some late-game execution issues. Exactly, you know, two yeah. of them went to overtime, the Villanova and Xavier, and then the two against Seton Hall um, were both kind of crazy games in the span of a week. So Indeed. I mean, look, if if Creighton does end up missing the tournament, you can point to, you know, the three overtime losses this year, the one against Marquette where they were winning with .8 seconds to go and it went to overtime. I mean, that... The loss to Nebraska certainly looks a lot worse. Yeah, Nebraska ended up not being Because they good. were 11-2 and two and then 13-4, and four and then they went 16-15 and 15 on the season. Um, they, they're projected to beat Rutgers, but it wouldn't shock me if they really lost that. Um, the loss to... Uh, to Ohio State doesn't look as good anymore because Ohio State completely fell off the wagon, especially now without Caleb Wesson um, around for them. Uh, in addition to that, um, don't get swept by St. John's. Um, they obviously had that debilitating loss to Marquette in overtime, um, heartbreaking as it was if things went their way. Also, a 15-point loss on the road to Buck. To Butler did not help their cause, but they finished strong, and now they just have to hope that the uh, ball goes their way and the bounces go their way yeah. in that game against Xavier. I mean, I think the best thing Creighton could do, short of winning, is at least make it to Saturday. Yeah, um, I think I would agree. I, I feel like twenty wins is, uh, especially on this bubble, is oh, yeah. going to be kind of your safe number. Oh yeah, um, no question. But I, I mean, I think with a win against Xavier, things could get interesting for them. Agreed. Um, Agreed. Yeah, I know Bracket Matrix has them, believe, one of the first four out right now. Yeah. Yes. So, they could end up in Dayton. I mean, it's it's going to get interesting for them. Like I said, it, it will be it'll be more interesting if they take care of business against Xavier and then um, who they would play next would be... They would play... I don't have the they bracket. They would play Villanova. Yeah. They would play Villanova. Yeah. Because so, there's the one place, though. Mm-hmm. Four or five. Yeah. So, going down the rungs here, I did say I was picking Seton Hall to win, but I will say that if there's a team out there 
that could give them fits and that could prevent them from doing so. Mm-hmm. I think it could be Georgetown. Um, and I, I say that because while they have been a little Jekyll and Hyde lately, you know, they, they were 15-10, and 5-7. and 7. They wound up finishing 9-9. Nine and nine. Um, But they looked really impressive in their wins. And they also looked very unimpressive in their losses because they lost by, you know, double digits to Creighton. They got blown out by DePaul in Chicago. But they beat Marquette on the road in a very tough game in a tough environment. They beat Seton Hall in double overtime. They beat DePa- they beat DePaul or before they wound up losing to DePaul. Yeah. And then they, you know, they beat down Villanova too. And I think that for me, the, pe- the people that I'm looking for for Georgetown to continue to roll, it's not necessarily just Jesse Govan, but it's my pick for Big East Freshman of the Year, James Akinjo. Akinjo has been awesome. Yeah, I don't think I, I, there, there's any other way to well, you know, describe him. He's been really, really, really good. All three of their freshmen end up on the uh, Big East All Freshman team, and I believe and justifiably so. I believe uh, Pickett and Blair were both on there. I know one of them Blair was, was sure, def- but Blair was definitely yeah. Pickett was so too. I mean, I think at some point we need to talk about the fact that you know all five players that Patrick Ewing has actually they had really as part of his recruiting classes. And Pick and Blair this year have taken I, yeah. a step back. I, I, I mean... Because the three freshmen in Govan have been, you know, the primetime yeah, players. Exactly. Um, I mean, Pickett showed some development in some areas. Um, I mean, he was pretty much the same shooter, but he did incre- increase his totals for two-pointers, although they weren't, you know, a significant uptick. He went up 3%, but it was only from 37 to 40. He's got to obviously improve his uh, his shooting. But, you know, Blair Blair was better from three-point range. Um, he was he saw an uptick in his assist rate, uh, but obviously he wasn't their primary ball handler all the time. Um, that was, of course, Akinjo. He aforementioned Akinjo as well as McClung. So, yeah. so, and- so much you can do there, but LeBlanc, LeBlanc was really good. McClung obviously was very good. His highlight reel stuff as well as some of the other things that he was doing. Like I said, Akinjo, he was fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Josh LeBlanc was obviously very good. Yes. Um, you know, I think if Marcus Derrickson was on this team, they're probably at about 24 wins yes. right now. I, but You know what? I agree. Because Derrickson would be one of their go-to guys. And <clears throat> if he was on this team, I think that they would be – I think that they would probably been a top three seed. Yeah. Based on how they played. I mean, they went 19-12 and 12 this year. I mean, they, they were – you know, there were a couple games where I think that they could have used someone like Derrickson. Yeah, um, but, but he's doing he's, his thing. He's, with the Warriors he's on the now, Warriors, so, so I mean, hey, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you know, I think beating Syracuse, they'd be at twenty wins right now. Uh, yeah, that loss to Loyola Marymount doesn't look lost good. Lost to SMU was very bad. Well. Um, but they have a win over Liberty, who they is do. a tournament team. They are. Um, uh, you know, they're they a have team... a win over three, four tournament teams right now. Maybe five if you count St. John's. Yeah, and I mean, I, I just said that, you know, 20 wins will probably get you in, and they're at 19, 19. right they now. Maybe Seton Hall. Eh, you never know. Yeah, I mean... Somebody's got to fill those 68 spots, man. I would take Georgetown in the tournament over NC State or Clemson. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah, they uh, are only on eight brackets in Bracket Matrix right now in part of the next four out, so they have some work to do. I mean, um, it's certainly, again, the, the loss to DePaul. If they don't lose to DePaul, yeah. I think that they are. Yeah. I don't. I wouldn't want to say comfortably, but they are on the right side of the bubble rather than the wrong side, right? Now. Well, and teams... I mean, still t- like I said, I'd still take them over NC State and Clemson. Yeah. You, you you saw that game before. Yeah, it was not a good it was game. Um, 
And yeah, I mean, I think uh, I would. I'd probably put Georgetown in over Indiana as well, just because. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I know Indiana has the the Q one wins or whatever, but come on. Yeah. Yeah, but um, and I think a lot of uh, teams like Georgetown and Creighton are probably not super pleased with St. Mary's today. No, definitely um, not. Because <laughs> they were really the first bid stealer. Oh, of... they were. They were definitely a bid thief. That that's um, bid thieving at at its finest, right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that, that that certainly did not help their cause. But you know what has and I and you know we're we're talking a little bit comprehensively about the seasons and the tournament. But you know what has, in my opinion, really helped the cause for Georgetown this year. Look at the rise in tempo. Yeah. They were. I mean, they took a gigantic rise from 147th in the final year of JT JT three to 65th last year at 70 70.5. They're at 72.5. Well, two possessions higher. That's 18th best in the country. I mean, when you play an or you run an offense that's from this century, <laughs> I think that really helps. I, I mean, yeah, I, um, I can't, I can't disagree. I can't disagree. This has been a like they're 87th on Kempon. They're not a world beater by any means right now, but they're pretty good. There's some you when you watch them, you and they're at their best. You can see like, okay, this team is pretty damn talented. Yeah. And I mean, I think if they don't make the tournament this year, they'll probably go to the NIT. I mean, they'll be at yeah. you know, 19 or whatever. And that's yeah. that's fine that's for them. Fine. I mean, that's fine. you know, the non-conference schedule was a little bit better than last year. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's improvement. I mean, they went from 15 wins to at least 19 wins. At least 19. And You're things, seeing progressions in places. Things are trending upwards. Especially offensively. I mean, they were kind of stagnant in three-pointers this year. They only actually took a... I think she took a dive down. It's just that the nation's average went down too. So yeah, but and I mean I know they're going to lose Jesse Govan, but they're getting um, Yurt Seven. Yurt Seven. Yurt Seven. That's right. Yeah. And they couple, they've been recruiting recruited, big men. Yeah, like, which is interesting. But also, if you look at their roster, I get it. I mean, they're you got, guard. They're very guard heavy. Yeah, and they're very they're very guard heavy, and they're all very young. And yeah. None of them are probably going to take the leap to the NBA. So. Yeah. So I mean, I I think it's definitely. Um, pieces are the pieces are in place. Yeah, and you know the question was, can Patrick Ewing coach? And I think I he's think taken the two seasons yes. to prove that he can. There, yeah. there have been, some, and he's not perfect by any means. There's certain things that you know need to be improved upwards. But I mean, hey, I think emphatically he has proven. Yes, he he can coach. Yeah, he can. He I can. no I, no nobody's perfect. Everyone has to. It's a second year of coaching. I think he had a better first two years than Chris Mullen. Significantly so, and it's finally not St. John's. I think St. John's is next as they are the seventh seed. Yeah, I think that unfortunately, that's a bit of a rain, dis- bit of a disappointment. Yeah, given can... all the talent that's there, I know that they still are very short scholarship wise. They only have about seven players, but man, seventh seed, and you have you know you have Pons, you have Heron, you have Justin Simon, you well, have Marvin Clark. You started twelve. You started fourteen and one. You finished twenty and eleven. You were also under five hundred in Big East play. That's. I know the first year skews it a lot, but you're not going <sighs> to want to look at Chris Mullins' Big East coaching no, record. No, um, no. And despite all that, I think they're a tournament team. You know, they're at twenty wins already. They might not have the best qual quality wins, but I think the VCU win uh, the Mar- looks good. Sweeping Marquette. Sweeping Marquette looks is good. good. Um, I think that they need to beat DePaul, and I think that they need to give. 
you know, I don't Marquette. think if they beat Marquette a third time and if they beat DePaul, well, I don't think in. I don't think they're going to lose to DePaul a third time. That would be that would be crazy. <laughs> um, I mean, I don't think so either. I'm just saying that you know, I think that if they want to have some confidence to go into the NCAA tournament, not have to worry about possibly being in Dayton, I think that they need to win two tournament games. Yeah, two tournament games to feel really safe. So that means beating Mar- that means beating Marquette for a third time. Yeah, but um, you but know, again, you need to get 68 teams somehow, some way, and you know, they could they could wind up in there. But I this this was this was disappointing, especially the fact that they ended on a three game losing streak. Yeah, and you know Xavier's rise certainly didn't help matters for them. But I mean, what are you? You gotta win. You gotta win games, man. Yeah, I mean, going into the final three games and having Xavier to Paul Xavier, you you should have probably really... won at least two. Yeah, you should have gotten him on your home floor. Said you lost by nine. Then you lost by nine on the road to DePaul. Yeah, and they opened that game on a pretty significant yeah. run too. They were they up. Did. They yeah. were up early. And, they were. Uh, they were up eighteen to six. And then they let it all slip away. They trailed um, by as much as 11. And, you know, I think St. John's another one of those teams where maybe they'll end up in the NIT, which wouldn't be ideal for them, obviously. Wouldn't they're be ideal they're in a lot of brackets on Bracket Matrix. Um, they are. They, I mean, are again, they, they, could... they might end up in Dayton, but they're on 90 of 112 brackets right now. Yeah, they got to they gotta, <laughs> probably win that, that game in Dayton. Then. Not losing a third game to DePaul is really not... the uh, yeah, the big thing don't here lose for them. DePaul. Don't lose um, ball. But, you know, it's not as easy as it was. And it's not. the thing about St. John's is they're another team like Georgetown that I think next year will be right there again. I mean, you know, people have been talking about it a lot already, but next year really looks like all ten teams in the Big East are going to be perhaps their best iterations. Well, I don't, the know about, I don't know about that. Butler's best iterations are probably in the, well, in the second. Well, Butler, or third uh, we'll we'll talk about Butler in a little bit because yeah, I'm just I'm just saying. But, I don't, but no, I mean as far as, as, far as everybody else that you're saying, Villanova got a great freshman class coming in, but I, I don't know if they're going to be their best iteration. Well, the conference as a whole will be probably conference its best as a iteration. Whole, sure, Marquette probably will be. Well, depending um, on if Marcus Howard stays, I don't know. If he uh, he, I, I don't. He's a, I don't think he's going to leave. Well, he's somebody who could leave this year, who could go four years, and he's only going to be what twenty-one. Yeah, so he, so. he's still got the he's still got the youth factor going for him. So I mean, I don't. When, it doesn't really matter when he leaves. Which, I don't, by the way, I'm going to enjoy it when teams pass on him because I think he's going to prove a lot of people wrong, even if he is five eleven. I don't know that too that many. Man is good. I don't know that too many <laughs> players are going to leave early this year. I don't see Pons leaving. I can I see Pons. I mean, I I think they'll test the water, but I, I don't see, see it. I don't see it being like last year where no, you know, I don't think so either. But you have a lot of people leaving early. And, no, uh, I, I don't see that either. But I'm just I'm just saying that I, I could I could definitely see Pons leaving because I mean Pons could definitely play his way into being a late first rounder. I think if he hasn't already. Yeah. Everyone else, you know, we'll wait and see. But um, all right, we got to talk about the other three teams playing oh, tonight. Boy. <laughs> Providence. Uh, well, wasn't. A great year. Uh, AJ Reeves being out did not help. No, it really screwed him over. They the fact, but ultimately the fact also that they had so many dang cold spells while playing offense while playing on offense did not help either. You cannot attribute all that to AJ Reeves, sort of like how last year, you know, when Marcus Lovett went down for St. John's, you could not attribute everything to him being away from the team and whatnot. You can't attribute no. everything to Reeves, you know, because I mean Reeves is obviously very good. 
he, he showed that in his in the last game of the season against Butler when he dropped 24. Um, but they just hit too many cold spells. Uh, their, their offense just completely checked out at times. It's almost inarguably and indisputably the worst offense well, in recent memory for a Cooley team. Do you think it's coincidence, and no offense to Makai Ashton Langford, that this is, you know, their technically kind of worst point guard, you know, between Ashton Langford and White of the past, you know, since Bryce Cott and Chris Dunn. I mean, Cotton, I think that, you know, replacing guys like Cartwright, you know, those are those are big shoes to fill, man. I mean, if they're, you know, the, these raw guys in their first and second years, I mean, you got to see how things go. I mean, you lose, you lose so much better impressions because he doesn't. It's not even just Cartwright that's missing, and I know the point guards are obviously the, the big attention point for Providence because they've shelled out so many. But they lost Rodney Bullock too. Yeah, that's significant scoring. They didn't obviously get what they wanted out of Emmett Holt this year, which was very no. He seems to still be hurt. Yeah, because he hasn't he hasn't even played since yeah. geez November. So yeah, I mean. And, you know, Providence is another one of those teams that we keep talking about where pretty much everyone's going to be back next year. Yeah. Except Isaiah Jackson. Exactly. They'll have the Oliver's senior season. They'll have Nate Watson, who I think... I think Watson, I wouldn't call him, you know, inconsistent. Um, but he did have his moments. They have Greg Gant coming in, who's they have very Greg good. Gant coming in, who's very good as well. That, that is true. Um, still a couple spots left for yep. them in the recruiting class. So, I mean, yeah, I think... You hope that things go better. This was a very... This was a very young group. This was a very young group. And I haven't seen Providence fans that are too mad. I mean, they made the tournament an I mean, unprecedented can, amount of years Grant, in a row. If anyone is mad, honestly, you're in, you're living in the most prominent, one yeah. of the most prominent eras of Providence basketball, and Lord knows. I mean, Ed, really Ed Cooley has passed up UConn twice now. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, he's, he's there for the long haul. Exactly. There's stability. It's not like, you know... Rick Barnes and no, Pete Gillen. Exactly. And, you know, there's there's stability in place. Ed Cooley's yeah. obviously a good coach. This is just is an outlier of a year. I mean, if you pull up Ed Cooley's profile on Ken Palm, it, yep. the team's not playing like an Ed Cooley team usually no, plays. Not. And it's not. It, it happens. I mean, yeah. do I think they could beat Butler? It's hard to beat a team three times. But they've looked a lot better than Butler they in have. both games so far. I know the one went to overtime, but they've just they've kind of outclassed them. Butler, I don't think, has anyone that can contain uh, Alpha Diallo and Nate Watson. Exactly. But it is hard to beat a team three times. Um, it is. But I would probably pick Providence. Um, I would probably pick Providence. And then uh, I think they could give uh, Villanova a game because they did in Providence. Um, you know, it wasn't so competitive when they went to uh, Finneran Pavilion, but the game in Providence was exactly. close. Yep. Exactly. So, on Butler, um, their offensive profile on Kempom looks decent, but... It's not, though. I mean, it's decent enough. There's not too many reds, you know, in the shooting areas, but as we know, offensively, sometimes they look a little bit lost. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, Kamar Baldwin's been a consistent spot all year. Yeah, it's just um, been everybody else, pretty much. They just, you know, last year they had Keelan Martin and Kamar Baldwin. Mm-hmm. And now they have Kamar Baldwin and didn't really have anyone to replace no one really the second s- score. I mean, you no know. No one really stepped up. And people did for a little bit. For a little um, bit. You know, Paul Jorgensen he- had games. Uh, Jordan Tucker had games. 
but it was never, you know, a consistent scoring option. It did not help matters for them that Sean McDermott saw declines in his shooting. He went down 4% from three-point land. Granted, he was still 39.9, but last year he was 43.1. Now, he took almost 70 more shots, or sixty more, over 60 more shots, but... That, that's not supposed to be how it goes. You take a small sample and you're good. You're supposed to, you know, hopefully see improvement with more shots. But anyway, in conference against conference opponents, he saw a downtick by about 2% with, you know, 27 more attempts from three. So that wasn't good for them. That they lost that, you know, that range from perimeter from, perimeter, uh, from McDermott. Um, neither was the fact that, you know, they only had two guys, really, you know, McDermott and Paul Jorgensen who were... You know, consistent three-point threats. Last year, you know, they had, you know, they had Sean McDermott, 43.1, but, you know, Keelan Martin, he was 36.4, but that was still, like, okay. But, you know, no one else was really, you know, able to step up from the perimeter, which obviously would have probably helped them by and large. Um, even their two-point shooters, you know, there's, you know, there's a lot of okay here, but nothing great. No one really provided enough of a scoring punch for them in the absence of of, uh, of Keelan Martin. They only had Baldwin, and Baldwin could only take them so far. Yeah, I'm just looking through it. You know, Baldwin was at 17 a game, and then the next highest was uh, Paul Jorgensen at 11. Yeah. And that's, that's... one of one of the biggest drop-offs in uh, the Big East, with the exception of, you know, DePaul has a big drop-off yeah. from Max Struess, who is a guy that, you know, can kind of single-handedly yeah. win you game. Exactly. Um, Obviously, Marquette has a big drop-off from Marcus Howard to Sam Hauser, but that goes without saying. And then exactly. Seton Hall has one, too. But, but I, you know, Kamar Baldwin, no offense to him. He's very, he's, Kamar Baldwin he's, is very good. He's, he's very he's good, not, but he's not, you know, a prolific scorer. Like, like Miles, Powell Miles Powell or Shamori Pons or Marcus Howard. Yeah, or, or even Max, Max Struess to an extent. Exactly. He's not so, a, he's not a, Kamar Baldwin is not a scorer. He's a very good player on both ends of the floor, but he's not a scorer. And also that's, from that's fine, obviously. I mean, because he he ended up making the, the right now the allkempom.com team for, for the Big East. So obviously, he is what he does is recognized by that system. It's just that he's not, you know, a, he's not a prolific scorer. Yeah, and also from what I can tell, um, eleven points a game is second lowest for a second scorer behind yeah, Miles Kale. Exactly. So again, if you're gonna have a guy. With, you know, a secondary output that's that low, you need your first guy to be kind of over 20. Exactly. And that hasn't been the case for Butler. And, you know, um, they're a team that obviously has gotten used to making the NCAA tournament. Very much so. Just like Providence. Unless they go on a torrid run, they're not going to be doing much this March. No, they uh, are probably in the auto bid or bus territory. Yep. I wouldn't say probably. They definitely Yeah. Yeah, um, and that leaves DePaul, who finished in last in the conference again. However, they did not finish alone. They only finished technically 10th because of, you know, tiebreakers and whatnot. But seven Big East wins <laughs> is the most Big East wins that they've had in a very long time. 2007-2008. There you go. So it's been over 10 years. So would you call this season a success? Even though they're I, fifteen and fourteen, I mean, I think you have to. They're going to finish over five hundred or five hundred <laughs> or better. I mean, you know, we we spend a lot of time every off season saying you know things are different for DePaul this year, and they were though. Stuff. Well, the exactly, thing. that's the thing. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, I 
I think this season's been a success. I think Max Struess has uh, obviously been good. Uh, Paul Reed and Femi Lujby have been very good. And I I think things are trending upward for them. I, I don't think they're going to beat St. John's just because it's hard to beat a team three times. And, you know, they, they don't have an advantage with St. John's. Don't. Uh, they don't. You know, with well, it being at the garden, know, but you never know what's going to happen. Yeah, St. John's, you never know what's what you're But no, get. overall, I think this year is a net positive for DePaul, and I would uh, agree. You know, they have a couple games that they blew big halftime leads, and had they not, they'd be you know sitting at seventeen and twelve right now, and we might be having a different conversation about them, <laughs> which would be interesting. It would be very so, interesting. So, so that's kind of where we're at for the uh, Big East tournament. Um, indeed. So, since I already gave my pick, Seton Hall, most outstanding player, Miles Powell. Give me your Big East Tournament champ and your most outstanding player. I'm pretty sure I took Xavier in the Jerome. Um, wow. So who is your most outstanding player then? Is it Najee Marshall? Is it Paul Scruggs? Probably be Paul Scruggs. He's been playing really okay. well lately. Wow. Look at that. Look yes. At that. We're, both going, we're both going completely off the board here. Awesome. Yeah. All right. We should uh, get into these questions real quick and then yep. uh, get this sent out. Exactly. Um. Let's see here. Let's go back to the questions. Got to dig back through a little bit here. There we go. Um, from Colin Blacha, how many games in the Big East tournament does Creighton have to win to get into the NCAA tournament? Oh, well, you mentioned that you think they need to win two because that you would require them to get into Saturday, correct? Yeah. So. Yeah, I think uh, I think making the final would. Yeah. Definitely be the best case for them. Um, Agreed. But I think, like we talked about earlier, it could get interesting if they get to 19 wins. Exactly. Um, keep moving along here to the next question from um, at Grant05206. Okay. What do you think is the max number of Big East teams in the NCAA tournament? Um, Probably five or six. Because let's see. I think Villanova and Marquette are in for sure. St. Yeah. John's probably in for sure. Seton Hall. I think Seton Hall's in, and then maybe, maybe probably one of... Warner, Creighton, so five, yeah. like five or six yeah. at most, but probably just five because Xavier and Creighton play each other, so I would say five. Um, from Ben Snyder, do you have any glue? We're trying to fix Marquette, and we need to pool together our resources. <laughs> it's, a, it's a great question. It is. Good luck. Um, from Edward Burns. Will all nine games in the Big East tournament be decided by ten points or less? In other words, will there be any double-digit margins of victory? I, I think there has to be one. Just there probably because, will be one. You know, if you look statistically at the yeah. Big East this year, um, only five percent of games were decided by nineteen or more points. Yeah, but you'll probably I don't, get at least one. You always do get at least one double-digit affair. Yeah, so I, I think there'll be at least one. I think. Uh, you know, expecting all nine games to be no, close yeah, and competitive exactly. is yeah. maybe a little bit hasty. I agree. But with how the conference has been yeah. this year, it could Never happen. Know. It could happen. Um, let's go back here. From Eileen Forrest, why is Marquette? You, you know, again, they picked a really bad time to start struggling. Exactly. But it's a new season now. So they got that going for them. Bingo. Um, from Matt Murray, which, first of all, I would like to shout out Matt Murray for... His uh, spreadsheet of yes. Big East tournament yes. scenarios Tremendous the other day. Work. A lot of good work. Glad you shared it with us. Yes. Uh, really helped us through Saturday afternoon. Agree. Um, can Xavier get in that large bid, or is it title or bust? You know, again, I think I think things will get interesting if they get in that 19 to 20 win rate. Well, 19, because 20 would be mm-hmm. winning the Big East tournament. Exactly, but, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, 
obviously their best bet is to just win the tournament, and I mm-hmm. picked them, yeah. as I alluded to. Yep. Um, but it, the the bubble is kind of all over the place right now, so we're not really going to know until Friday or Saturday when things really start taking shape. Exactly. Um, Jake Jurgen wants to know, when is the door shown to Laval Jordan? Well, not after one bad year. No, Although, I'll give him a little bit more rope. You know, I he's he's only in his third year of coaching. Exactly. I mean, you know, he had the one year at Milwaukee, and obviously, you know, being a Butler alum uh, is going to buy him a little bit more time as yep. well. Yep. Um, do I think maybe he's not the best Butler alum coaching in the conference right now? There's an argument to be made. Travis Steele has had a fantastic year. Yep. Um, and then finally from Alan Bukowski, probably too late, but why is no one talking about Creighton? They've been phenomenal in the past few weeks. They have. They, they were have. Probably, yeah. if I didn't pick Xavier, I probably would have picked Creighton because Tyshawn Alexander has uh, been excellent. Yes. Obviously, Mitch Ballack had a mm-hmm. career game the other day. Yep. Um, Marcus Zagorowski yep. has been good. Martin Crom- Martin Crompel yep. is good. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, anytime you have a team with an offense like that, they're uh, they're a contender. So, I mean, I think Creighton could be in there, too. Agreed. All right. That's it for questions. We just kind of ran yep. through them real quick there. We did. We did. Um, so, we will uh, get another one of these out after Selection Sunday when we yep. maybe we'll get some guests on. Yeah. Um, kind of reassess where we're at and uh, go from there. So, for Chris, I'm Rob, and thank you for listening to the Big East Coast Podcast.